0: We all have a story, right? Who we are, where we came from, the stuff we've been through, our successes and our failures, and what actually keeps us going every single day. Well, our next guest on Women and What We Do is someone I have admired for decades. On her fierce leadership, her powerful work, and her daily advocacy as the executive director of Mom's House, an organization that teaches single parents to choose life over poverty but her road to get there has not been a walk in the park. Quite the opposite actually. But today we will learn how her faith, her fight, and her fierce attitude has kept her going to change her life and so many other lives around her, including mine. I'm Mary Brucker, your host. So please help me welcome the amazing Miss Christina Rodriguez hello hello hi buddy Hi. <laughs> welcome today I could talk a million things about you but I think one of the main things that's so important for us to talk about Christina is is who you are and yeah. where you've come from yeah so give us a give us a little yeah update. well
1: first I'm honored to, to be on your your amazing podcast and um, I have also admired you so it's a it's it this goes both ways here okay Mary um I think the biggest thing for me, and I always start by saying, you know, I'm the daughter of a kingpin for the Latin kings on the west side of Chicago and a young mom. And statistically, you know, the stats and the data would point totally against me. Um, To be honest with you, I probably shouldn't be sitting in front of you today. And so I tell people that, and a lot of people, some people get a little nervous about that. Um, But I believe that um I'm here on purpose and with a purpose right and I live by that every single day and every hard part of my life that I've walked through that will get into um has a purpose right and I realize what that is afterwards so just for our listeners you say you're the daughter of a king a kingpin king? for the latin kings on the west side can of chicago can you explain that what is Yeah that? so the latin kings is a pretty um prestigious gang, if you want to use that word, Um, especially within the bigger cities, Chicago being one of them. There's actually a documentary out there on that. And my dad um, was in a high-ranking position, which they call a kingpin. So when I was born, you know, all statistics were against me. A young mother, I was her second child, and she was only 20, so she had her first at 17. Um, Which came with a lot of, there's a story behind that. You know, my dad left his home when he was only 13 years old. The streets raised him. The gang raised him. um, And my mom was, you know, abused as a child. She was one of seven children. Her mom was 15 when she had her. And she had seven children by the age of 22. So my mom was the oldest, and she helped to raise those kids, and there was abuse in the home. So that trauma and generational trauma really is what it is. You know, obviously, that impacted my life in a huge way. But again, I was born on purpose, with a purpose, and my life really just started to unfold, you know, and my mom really fought hard to ensure that we had a good life.
0: Yeah, I just I just met your mom yeah. um, this last week, and I hugged her, and she wouldn't let me go. <laughs> and I said, it's so nice to meet you. And she said, I, I'm just lucky to be
1: alive. Yeah, she is. Tell me about that. You know, my mom, my dad was, um, at first, you know, obviously, the beginning of that relationship, she was seeking something that she didn't find at home. And my dad gave that to her. Little did she know that. Um, That was not the healthy relationship she needed, but I came out of it. So I think that, you know, she's pretty lucky. (laughs) 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 Um, But she, um, you know, she struggled with um, my dad becoming, he was a high ranking. He was thriving in the gang, if you could call it that. And then he became his own best customer when it came to drugs. And my dad would abuse my mom, um when she was about six months pregnant with me, he pulled her upstairs by her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has overcome just a lot of abuse. And not just by her own family, but now by the man that she loves and has children with. And so that was a, that's really challenging for my mom sometimes even now to tell that story. Um, but we have healed quite a bit and walked through that process together. Um, but you can still see a little bit of that trauma. I mean, how, Christina,
0: for most of us, mm-hmm. we don't understand how you can get through that. Yeah. As, a, as a young
1: girl in that situation, how do, you, how do you navigate life? Yeah, you know, I have an older sister. She's three years older than me, and she, you know, she remembers more of the hard parts than I do, because I was younger, and um, to the point she was abused for dropping me when I was an infant, and she was three. Um, so there's so many stories I can tell you about that part of it. But, you know, my mom, I truly believe that my the, there's a plan for my life. And the pr- the plan was predestined. And I just had to be in the right places and fight hard to get to the places that we needed to get to as a family. So when my mom um, got to a place that she said enough It was really difficult for her. She had to literally leave in the middle of the night because we you don't just get out of one. You don't really get out of a three block radius when you're living in environments like that. Right. Statistically. And um, two, you know, he had a lot of people that were after him, too. So fortunately, she was able to come to a very small town here in Ohio and um, that everything looked different. Than what we were used to. And I was young, so, um, but we had family there that had migrated. They've come, they came from Texas to work in the fields up here in Ohio. And so she was familiar with the area and she was able, and actually she came up here too with my family from Texas. My mom was born and raised in Texas. And so when she came up here, it was very, um, it was, you know, that's where she met my dad and so on and so forth. Then, when she got to the place that she was like ready to say enough that's where we went and it looked very different no one looked like me there no one knew our story there it was i went from inner city gangs and sirens to grass and picket fences and people who didn't look like me and nobody knew that
0: it was just your mom took you and your sister yes. out of that environment yep. and came to and this we area.
1: went to came here to Ohio. It was a really challenging time for her because she's healing and she's this young mom, which we deal with all the time in the work I do every day, with all this trauma. And now she's trying to raise these two girls, um, and it was very challenging for us. Um, I I I'm a fundraiser, and so I always say like, I got my first taste of fundraising when I was a kid because. I used to have to hustle to get money to be a part of things. Right. So like everyone's basketball shoes to be on the team. Everybody got brand new shoes. We couldn't afford hundred dollar shoes, you know? So now I hated asking my mom. So I would always, I'd go cut grass. I would mow lawn, you know, I'd cut grass. I would do shovel snow. I'd go to neighbors houses and I would hustle to try to get this money. That's when the birthing, birthing of my fundraising started. (laughs) Right. I did it though. I mean, I got shoes. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, we went from that space to this new space where nobody really knew our story to this day. Like, people that I went to high school with, most of them don't know that that's where I came from. Right. Is had, that by we were,
0: design? Did you uh, hide that? Or yeah, you, it was
1: It was. we were ashamed. Yeah. We were scared, you know, and we wanted to fit in. And it felt like everybody had a two-parent home, and everybody's home was so stable. And you know, they would sit around the table at dinner. <laughs> and I remember going to my friends' houses and being like, wow, this is really cool. Right. Like, they sit around the table for, for dinner together and talk. You know, or I'd be like, I wish I had a dad like that. Um, that was probably one of the bigger things my whole life I struggled with the most was my daddy issues. Right. And I think that there is such a um, – we live in a, in a society that um, – I hate to say fatherlessness, because we're changing that here in Toledo, and there's programs and things that we're doing that are really creating these amazing, solid dads. Um, But that was a space for me that was so hard, which caused me to make choices and decisions that were not healthy for me right um healthy for my future and caused me to really really it was trauma upon trauma upon trauma and it also causes you to and this may be a little bit of a trigger you know for some people listening it also causes you to be in spaces that um i was sexually abused by a family member um because i was we called it we call it uncovered. I wasn't protected. I didn't have yeah. that, you know, and so I was sexually abused by a family member, me and a couple of my cousins. And so a lot of my life, I had this um uh, against men. Right. I struggled with relationships and rejection. That was my like, rejection was my thing i dealt with you know so like being even in friend groups the mean girls club and like i was the one that would always just i had a loud mouth i don't know if that that might be a surprise to you um, i was gonna say
0: Hat, and i never
1: really like was shy right like to say how i really felt but that got me into trouble because i wasn't as politically correct as i am now i guess um but yeah i just was um we struggled a lot walking through life. My mom worked in a factory my whole life, and she hustled. My mom was getting her high school GED when I was in high school. Oh, my gosh. And I helped her study after I got home. But I found sports, and I was a good athlete back then. Uh, now not so much um, <laughs> and that was what saved me and that's one of the reasons I'm such a huge advocate for organized sports because I had two coaches that really just mentored me and I, I say they helped to save my life right um, and brought character building and structure to my world um, and helped me to dream and help me to believe in myself and I always people tell me all the time like you're so amazing you have all you know you're doing this you're doing that if it weren't for the people that helped me and held us up, I would not be who I am today. Right. And I can name person after person, moment after moment in my life of being mentored, helped, my mom being helped, um, that helped me to get to this place right and now. And what
0: is your, your description of a, of a mentor? Like, what did they do? Yeah.
1: So I believe that people come into our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, and i think that we when we identify what that space is it one that's a healthy way to a- approach our relationships and my mentors in my life some were there for a very specific reason whether it's to build my character build my confidence but i believe a mentor has a voice when you don't know your own voice right and they can speak that life into you in spaces that you don't even realize you need and sometimes even years later. I mean, there's been years have gone by, and something will spark. And I'll be like, I remember that moment. So when I mentor now, I, I will sit across the um, table from a young lady, and I'll say, in 10 years from now, you're going to have this conversation with someone else. Right. And you're going to remember this moment right here, because it's this is your life-changing moment right here. And we're going to turn it around. Whatever that looks like for that person, it's different for everyone mentoring is different it's i have a business mentor i have a spiritual mentor and i have a like a friendship type person that mentors me and i'm the type of person like you have to just tell me how it is and tell me raw right and so god has just placed these people in my life that have been an example mentored me guided me held my hand through the hard parts loved me through the worst parts yeah And to me, like, those are the people who, they're my lifetimers. You know, they're the ones that have been here. I mean, I have relationships of 25, 30 years, and we do life together, and they know every single part of me. I ask about, you know, what is a mentor to you, because um,
0: now moving into your career, Mm -hmm. you have literally given your life to mentoring and inspiring women who now looking back, probably walked the same
1: road yeah. as you. Yeah, you know, it's um, pretty amazing to <clears throat> be relevant, that whole purpose thing. Like I I look back and I know that, you know, as hard as it was, there was a purpose for everything I experienced. And I can use those things on a daily basis to help someone else. And when you take your life experiences and use them to pour into something or someone else, you know, it, it's a selfless act. And a lot of times, you know, when we're hurting and we're in pain, and don't get me wrong, I'm still yeah. dealing with traumas. I'm still, they'll pop up. It doesn't go away, It doesn't right? go away. It To this day, there's days, but no one sees that part, you know, because that's the private part. That's me at home. Right. Um, with my mentor or whoever I call, you know. <laughs> screaming, um, crying, whatever. But like, it is such an amazing gift to be able to sit with these young women that are broken literally in front of you and to be able to say, I was there and now I'm here. You can do this too. But this is what it's going to take to get there. It feels overwhelming right now, but we're not going to attack the whole thing. We're going to just take little bites off of it at a time. And when you start make getting gaining that momentum and those little bites, that's when you start seeing that change. And when you gain momentum and you start seeing change happen, you want more, right? And so all of a sudden they're off and running on their own, and I'm not the training wheels come off basically, and we're we don't we don't have to be guiding them through that anymore.
0: Well, where where did your training wheels come off? I yeah. mean, there's there's this early story that we have and then we have yeah. high school and mentors. But where you are today, and again, I I wouldn't know that this was your story. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where did your training wheels come from?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I had a couple different spaces, you know, but when it came to my career, um, I, I actually don't call it a career what I do. I call it a call. It's my calling. It is what I'm supposed to do every day. And I think, you know, I would say when I started at mom's house 16 years ago is when I really understood my training wheels coming off. And that was scary and wobbly. And I hit a couple, you know, cars, maybe (laughs) a mailbox, you know, right (laughs) and scratched my knees up a little (laughs) bit. But um, I would say that was one of the points um, that my training wheels had to come off because it was for me, it was almost a risk. I was taking a chance and I was leaping out in faith because I was in my mind, I was not ready for that position because of all I've been through, because of the rejection, because of the losses, because of everything I had experienced in my life. Like, I almost felt like I didn't deserve it. And I had a friend who said, you will get there. You're going to be amazing. You can do this. And it just took that person to encourage me a little bit. And then to this day, you know, my board president who hired me says he's made two good decisions when it comes to women in his life, hiring me and marrying his wife, Mm. (laughs) which I adore. And I love that. (laughs) Um, But it is um, my training wheels definitely came off and they still continue to in different ways. Right. You know, there's some spaces in my life that I. I'm, I'm still learning and growing and trying to figure it out. I'm a little rougher on the edges for some people, and I'm okay with that. Right, you know. Um, but when they see I'm now just learning about the training wheels, uh, getting those off of living my most authentic life. I was ashamed to tell my story up until about five years ago. I was scared to tell my story. I thought people would judge me. I already dealt with rejection. Well, they don't care where I came from. They don't know. When I started leading with my story and I just... Did a speech to some teenagers, um, a leadership class. In, I, in, the title was, you know, be the the main role in your story, right? You know, in your own movie. And when I started to do that, my life started to transform. I started to speak the words out, not only of, you know, the hard parts, but I was encouraging myself when I would tell people right, my story, right. my testimony. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, this I this did has this. some power, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah and I my confidence grew and I'm talking just five years ago I started to really like tell my story and use my own story um Diana Patton actually and she probably doesn't even know this but she helped me to to see that space in me in my heart through some of the work that she does
0: you know I'm sure um there's a lot of people out there that don't want to tell their story they're afraid they're ashamed um I mean we we've talked about people who are being abused. We've talked mm-hmm. about um, these young moms who are trying to yeah. get out of poverty. Like if somebody's listening right now, what, what would you tell them about their story that can yeah. change?
1: I think that um, I would tell them that, and this is very direct, but it's selfish not to share your story because someone else in this world needs it. And it's not up to you to decide who needs it. That person's going to come. The universe will bring them. God will bring them. But telling your story usually brings more healing to you than it does to actually the person that you're telling your story to. Right. The change and the transformation on the inside of you when you're able to be literally transparent with yourself. Because I think we look in the mirror a lot and we lie to ourselves often. And when we're able to look in the mirror and say, this is who I am, this is where I am. You know, there's women listening right now that, you know, they have a phenomenal story, but they might still be a victim to that story. Look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I have victory over this thing. And it's time. It's time. And I don't even know, you know, anybody's situation listening. But here's what I do know, that it's time. Because the world needs us to be at that space of healing. The world needs us. The little girls and the teenage girls and the women in our community need us to say, I am going to be open and authentic so you can dive into my world so you can see how I have transformed because you can do this too. And when we start to do that and the healing process really starts, and it's intentional healing. It's not something that you just trip and, you know, fall into. You have to say, put a plan together. This is what I'm going to do. This is who's going to hold me accountable. This is how I'm going to do it. And you have to heal. And I did that very Specifically, too, when it came to my dad, right, and it changed my life forever. My dad passed away in 2016, and I was able to one, forgiveness is everything. Two, I was his caregiver. I was his. Um, I handled all of his business affairs and everything when he got ill. Um, and I, I'm only saying that to say that the full story of transformation when it comes to that space. I was able to learn about who he was because he was not, he wasn't high anymore because he was sick. Right. So his addiction was no longer in the way in between our relationship. And so um, that right there alone is powerful forgiveness. It's not for them. It's for you. Right. Right. And I was intentional with my forgiveness when it came to my dad before he died. I can tell you, I know you said you have to look at yourself in the
0: mirror, but I'm telling you, your reflection goes far beyond the mirror. Oh, thank you. And what you do for this community. Okay. Thank you. And for these young women yeah. um, is beautiful.
1: Yeah, they need us. I'm grateful because we're women and we, that's what we do. We need right? each other. That's right. We need each other. Thank
0: you so much for being
1: here. Thank you.
0: got a little emotional there at the end, looking into this beautiful soul and now knowing what she's gone through to get to where she is today. It just reminds us, wherever you are with your story, take the training wheels off, embrace it and tell it. Who knows whose life you can impact? As Christina told me offline, all leadership is influence. So who are you influencing? I know she has countless people that she impacts daily and I am grateful. Thank you again to my brave and beautiful guest, Christina Rodriguez, to my awesome executive producer, Chris Piper, and to you, our listeners. If you like what you heard, please go check out other amazing stories of women around us on Women and What We Do on WGTE.org slash Do. Or drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. Remember, always speak up, we do.
1: WGTE, voices around us. WGTE is supported in part by American Rescue Plan Act funds allocated by the City of Toledo and the Lucas County Commissioners and administered by the Arts Commission.